Welcome to another episode of Generally Assembled, your favorite House Republican podcast. Uh, uh, J- Jason Gottesman joined by uh, Representative Jesse Dopper and uh, Neil Lesher. No food today. Nope, no, we no food not. today. Uh, everything's possible today. Nothing yeah. impossible. <laughs> no, listen. I got a lot of. I don't know about you guys. I got a lot of uh, a lot of feedback about that. Everybody wanted to, you know, kind of interject what they thought. Like I had colleagues, you know, on the House floor telling me what they thought when they tried an impossible Whopper, and it was uh, it was interesting. Interesting. So we have other members that have eaten an impossible Whopper. Um, Ryan McKenzie did something for his staff where when they first came out, he bought an equal amount of impossible and regular whoppers cut them in half and then they did a blind taste test to see if they could tell the difference really? so yeah this is actually uh, and everybody told those stories and i thought it was pretty cool it's like a what do they call those uh, communications guy public interest stories no that's not that's not it human what? interest stories? yes that's it that's yeah. it human interest stories yeah it became like a human interest thing i thought it was pretty cool well this is how we unlike Grove Unleashed, like we shape the conversations that go on in this town yeah. in this podcast. We don't react to them, we shape them. That's absolutely true. And, and I was thinking um, yesterday, listening to uh, Representative Lewis's farewell address on the House floor about not judging a book by its cover. Uh, I was like, this is going to be uh, Topper and uh, Ecker's uh, farewell address too, remembering the time they got crushed the first time. But farewell. Lane, Neil, and I. <laughs> yeah. Farewell, oh. far, farewell address? Am I something happening well no but in the oh, future and what i give what <laughs> in the future I, i'm still gonna be here i think <laughs> no no i wasn't all right let's chuck go back and get rid of that, that, that no was no bad. no i like that i like that no chuck keep it keep it i want to i want to i wanted to be on the record that i fought back and was still here <laughs> no i get what you're saying it's yeah. one day torn and i will look back on our time and there is no way we will forget the thrashing that we received at, at Carlisle at the hands of Jason and Neil. <laughs> yeah. No, no way we'll forget that. Um, well, let's uh, let's maybe try to talk about some uh, some some substance instead of some impossible Whopper uh, stuff here. <laughs> you know, I, I think one of the the, the big things that uh, we focused on from the beginning of the session here through running through the finish line. It's it's always funny because you know here all the time. What are we going to do? Well, one of the things that we've consistently done throughout this session from January. Uh, now through September, and, and, act, and this activity will continue uh, through October, uh, through the end of the session, is getting government out of people's lives. And um, let's just reflect on a few ways. And we had a press conference today uh, because over the last two weeks, standing committees uh, have been sending these letters uh, to the Independent Regulatory Review Commission, triggering uh, under er- or the Regulatory Review Act a review of regulations uh, uh, that have been in effect for more than three years. Uh, to determine whether they're still in the public interest. So this is sort of the icing on the cake of, uh, you know, the session-long priority of reviewing every single regulation waived and suspended during the pandemic and making now, I think, almost four dozen of those permanently repealed. Uh, So getting government out of the way. Continuing those suspensions that remain, uh, some of them have been brought brought back online because they make sense, but many of them have been continued to to make sure that we can continue to review them uh, and their effectiveness. Um, but also during the budget uh, of getting things like the charter school regulations uh, taken back, uh, ending the bridge tolling, the, the, the P3 board decision. And, and, and now these reviews of regulations. Now, some of these regulations are still on the book well after the statute that uh, enacted oh, yeah. them has been changed or uh, taken away. And this is all part of this, I think, massive uh, movement over the last two and two and a half years 
of the legislature taking the power back. You guys remember West Wing, the West Wing? I think we've talked about that yeah. before. Like for, for those of us who were political junkies when we were younger, like that yeah. was a cool show. Remember Alan Alda, which is ironic, was the Republican candidate for president in the last that last season. Yep. And uh, it, it's just a, I remember a, a scene where he was talking to a gaggle of reporters, fake reporters. Uh, obviously, that was not a real election <laughs> on TV. But he said... Well, especially said, since they changed the outcome midway through the season. That's right, yes. Because <laughs> it was the most story about oh, yeah, that. Yeah, and I was very upset about that because yeah. I really thought that that was going to be – I wanted uh, Alan Alda to be the fake president at the end. as a Kind of as a little, you know, throwaway to the Republican viewers who watched the West Wing for so many years. Made it through eight seasons. You were, yeah. were going to give you this at the end, but couldn't even give us that. But anyway, Alda said in that, in that script – yeah, I'm, I'm going to, you know, there might be some more regulations that we add. And for every one we add, we're going to take two away. But look, that's a great policy to have, right? Yeah. If, if you're going to add something, look at what can be taken away. And we've seen time and time again that the less government, the more we remove uh, this regulatory oversight process on private industry. And we need to have some. There needs to be some. Yeah. But the more we remove the more business thrives and the more business can grow. And, and of any time coming out of this pandemic, we need that to happen. And, and it's funny to me that during the pandemic, or I should say ironic, during the pandemic, what was the first thing we did to try and help businesses? Rolled back regulations. How many, how many examples did we see during the pandemic when the governor either unilaterally or came to the legislature to say, all right, we're in crisis. What do we need to do to help our businesses? Get rid of regulation. Get rid of some of this, this red tape. Well, why is that only good in a pandemic? Like, right. if we want our businesses and our private sector to grow, and we know that when they struggled, the first thing we did was take government off their backs, then for heaven's sakes, let's be doing that on a regular basis. Well, and it's it's not it's not just businesses, too. There's a lot of things that are tied up in this. There's uh, child care, for instance. This morning we heard from Representative Delosier uh, about how uh, <clears throat> regulations governing child care centers are burdensome to people opening new facilities. Uh, so to the extent that there's a child care issue in Pennsylvania, which is a big talking point uh, from the left, we need uh, affordable, accessible child care. Uh, you know, maybe one of the things we could do is make it easier to open up child care centers, provide more opportunities for people to get into the field who would otherwise not be able to do so because of burdensome regulations that uh, prohibit their entry into the field. Well, and that's actually an important point. I mean, in this last budget that we put together, we put made significant investments in child care. Uh, trying to close the, the child care cliff for working families. We enacted a new tax credit uh, to help families with child care expenses. But all of that is only as good as, you know, if there is child care services available, right? It's on the other side that you have to make it, you have to have an environment in which people can open up a business or provide services. And over-regulating often ends, you know, leads to a lack of services then for citizens. How do you get how do you get businesses to want to locate in Pennsylvania? Because at the end of the day, you know, we can have a lot of we need to help our mom and and uh, mom and pop small small businesses grow. We need to small get our business restaurant. job creators. Absolutely, we need to do that. And then we also need to have businesses, corporations bring jobs into Pennsylvania. Either way. They're going to look at Pennsylvania's structure, whether it's starting a little small business, whether it's starting a child care opportunity, or whether it's bringing a massive corporation into Pennsylvania. They're all going to look at the same thing, the regulatory environment. And if it's not good, you're going to stifle growth. And then guess what? We won't need child care because the only thing we're going to have are retirees in Pennsylvania. You know, and, and, and we have a demographics problem. This is a, this is a way we can do it without spending a dime, without... Um, without starting a new program, we can simply do what, what we've been talking about. And again, what we did during COVID, 
which is take some of these onerous regulations away and, and let our private market do its job. Well, and that's, again, I think a stark contrast between what's been put on the table here, not only in this session, but in prior ones, where you have Republicans who want to take a look at what's currently on the books, how government is and how government's a problem, uh, and, and how do we, you know, reform ourselves to create this natural growth that brings about investment in our communities, strengthens our neighborhoods, brings about family-sustaining jobs. Uh, and then Democrats who are just like, hey, let's just free money out to everybody. You know, that's that's not a way to grow the economy. That's a way to sink an economy, as we're seeing with uh, what's happened here over the last uh, less than two years of the Biden administration. Um, you know, it takes a long time to rebuild an economy. It doesn't take a long time to tank one. No, I said we when, when COVID hit, we had a train that was going, you know, 120 miles an hour, and we literally stopped it in its tracks. And you can't get it up to 120 miles an hour again in a, in a quick period of time. It's You have to have that ramp up. And if we don't start making some changes, that ramp up's not going to happen, and we're not going to get get out of neutral. So, I just used a lot of like car slash train references there that I, I, people who would be listening who know me are like, does he know anything about that? The answer is no. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, I know how to turn my vehicle on and drive it. That's what I know how to do. So, um, did you see Biden uh, earlier? Uh, it was earlier this week when he uh, was talking about inflation. He was like, look, Jack. Uh, it only went from like 8.3 to yeah. 8.5%. That's no, it, a it minimal from, increase. It went from 8.2 to 8.3. It only went up an inch. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, uh, 8.3 is bad, buddy. It, it, it was just 60 minutes, and he's like, the reporter's like, well, it's the highest rate it's been in 40 years. He's like, month to month, it's not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, how toned out. Listen, yeah. I, well, the the president, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure that his staff, anytime they book an interview, uh, probably cringe a little bit, wondering, like, what is he actually going to say? Will he stay on message and on script? But look, really, with with, with President Biden and, and what we've seen with inflation throughout the country, people feel it. Like, this is not right. one of those issues where you can kind of BS your way out of it. People feel it when they go to the grocery store. They feel it at the gas pump. They feel it when they're paying their bills. So you can't, you can you can say whatever you want. The people, the consumers, the 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 people who we represent, they feel it. Like there are some issues. Look, in, in whether it be in foreign policy or or some that people don't feel every day, right? Yeah. So it's tough to make that an issue. And sometimes as Republicans, we see these things as like a big issue, but people don't they don't see it yet. You know, we can talk about energy independence being an issue, but until they see a global war break out over it, it's kind of like, oh yeah, that, okay, now it's an issue. Inflation is hitting people every day in their lives and so that's why they know that what he's saying is is just void of reality yeah i think thanks to uh joe biden and the policies of democrats when i'm finally able to you know talk to my grandkids i can say when i was your age hershey bars only cost a lincoln <laughs> okay <laughs> all right <laughs> um, well some jokes are good and that one's not getting we we need those we need those jokes to remind us that we're not stand-up comics <laughs> <laughs> especially while we're sitting down although I do, you know what i do have a funny i, I do have, i do have a funny story all right okay. um and it, and it came to mind yesterday when we were on the on the on the house floor i think after session kind of wrapped up and people were were standing there talking and this is a this is a true story so people were talking, and, and, and Representative Topper, I think you you were there, about how certain people have voices that, that carry yes. more naturally than others. <laughs> Amplified. And, yes. And and I have always been told that uh, that I have one of those voices. 
and, and I don't know if that's true. I think certain situations may be, but um, no more so has that been true than, than in the story. So a couple of years ago, um, I went on a uh, silent retreat uh, to uh, a Benedictine monastery uh, outside of Elmira, New York. True, this is a true story. Um, Mount Savior Monastery. Um, uh, so it's a, a three-day retreat, and uh, you know it's it's incredible. If you ever go on a silent retreat, I, I don't care what religion you are. Almost most religions have them. Um, it, it's it's quite uh, it, it's it's quite amazing. Um, so you, the only time you you actually use your voice is uh, is is during prayer uh, se- sessions and, and mass. So um, you know they have prayer. I think it was eight times a day. Uh, you start with morning prayer at like four thirty, and then you have vespers at night. Um, and a lot of these prayers involve uh, chanting the psalms. Um, well, when when I chant, I can and sing. I my tone is best. Now my brother calls me tone deaf, uh, but it gets it gets. I, I find my range very low, um, and I, I actually have a very good bass. Uh, you know, kind of like Chuck, very good bass uh, voice. So how's your falsetto? Not uh, I don't know what that is, but. Um, <laughs> You know, so so th- the first couple, I'm I'm really kind of into it. You know, like I'm I'm chanting the psalms, feeling good about uh, my prayer life, and you know, f- the, the great part about this uh, Mount Savior Monastery is you, there's no cell phone service, uh, so you really get to unplug, and you know, you get to see the the brothers there. They work. They they actually tend sheep as their biggest thing. They have a field. Uh, on a farm. <laughs> this is a true story. Uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out where the story's going. <laughs> Listen, everyone who's right, listening so, to this podcast is trying to figure so, out. So okay, I'm trying to wrap it up. We're about, we're about halfway through. <laughs> um, so the, these, but these monks, these Benedictine monks uh, who follow the order of St. Benedict, <laughs> they, sorry, they, the name. They, they live, they live their lives in complete silence, except when they they have one one brother there who's a guest brother who deals with the people who want to come stay and deals with the money, and they have a gift shop. And if you like need absolutely need something, they will talk to you. But they endeavor to live their lives in silence. So that makes what I'm about to what I'm about to tell you all that more uh, embarrassing. So one day, <clears throat> the only time that you ever hear any of them speak for a long time is the abbot during lunch will read out of a book throughout the entire lunch. So we finish up lunch on the second day. This is the second day. So been there for one full day, second day of three days. And the abbot finishes his reading and uh, stands up and goes, gentlemen, this is very unusual, but we need to make an announcement. One of our guests has been chanting extremely loud, and we are not able to concentrate during our prayers. We ask all, all guests to respect the prayer life of our fellow brothers and please keep your chanting to a normal level. Immediately, the monks, my church friends, my father-in-law who's there with me, it was so quiet because nobody speaks. You could hear all of their necks turn and look (laughs) right at me. (laughs) So, in a silent retreat, you were told you were too was silent. They made a special dispensation for themselves to break their silence, to break their daily routine, to chastise me for chanting too loudly. I, there's so many thoughts, and I can't say most of them. It's a family podcast. Is it, well, it is just it would be it would just be it would take too long to, to dive through like every layer of that 
story. To I get almost to feel like end. every time I share a personal story, Representative Topper is just blown away. Well, uh, yeah, there, there. I am. First of all, I never would have assumed you went on a silent retreat. Secondly, I'm thinking of all the members that I want to send on a silent retreat, and then, and then the idea that you actually. I mean, the, I, I guess the only thing I was told one time to stop eating at an all-you-can-eat buffet. Maybe that was, I think that was, and it was just because they couldn't get the food out in time. So we're okay, a younger, we're okay taking a loss, but we a, don't want to go bankrupt. It was, right, right. It was, it was a long time ago. I was a teenager. But anyway, um, but no, when you're being, yeah, you're being told you're too loud uh, by monks, I would think that would be a little bit em- embarrassing. Uh, yeah, especially since everybody knew who it was, yeah. apparently. Well, that's good. At least there was no ambiguity. <laughs> yeah. Let's, that, I mean, that story alone took 30 minutes. So I don't know we have All right, folks. Uh, Representative Topper, are you good? I'm good. I'm going to go. I'm going to go and uh, eat, eat some lunch while we're having uh, our discussions about what bills we're going to vote on. All right. Very good. Well, then that's generally assembled for uh, for this week. Again, I'm Jason Gottesman, joined by Representative Topper and Neil Lesher. Uh, you can find this podcast wherever your favorite House Republican podcasts are found, www.pahousegop.com slash mypodcasts. My podcasts, excuse me. Uh, also on uh, Spotify, we're on Apple, Google. Um, all right, well, until uh, next time, this has been Generally Assembled. Thank you all for watching. Listen. Listen. <laughs>